You are listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We're a small church with a big vision to reach unchurched, dechurched, and underchurched people by presenting a Pentecostal, full gospel message. It is our prayer that this message you're about to hear would illuminate the truth, offer freedom, and honor Christ. Thanks for listening. The Church of Philadelphia. So we're moving inland. The Church of Philadelphia is the church that God loved. How many of y'all know Philadelphia, PA, is called the city of brotherly love? All right, came right from here. That's where it came from. So the church at uh, Philadelphia is about 25 miles south of Sardis, um, and it was Greek by nature, and it was basically a brand new town. It wasn't a couple of hundred years old. I know, you know, America just, I remember, I remember America turned 200, and this was just a young little town when Jesus was talking to it. Sometimes I think we think we've been here forever, and we just got here. In, in the light of civilization, people just moved to this part of the world. We are the new kids on the block. Um, but it remained a Christian uh, city, as you can see there, until the Turks conquered it in the 14th century, 1300. So uh, we can say that for, you know, a thousand or more years of its existence, it, was, it became a Christian city. Um, there's only a few Christians there now, is what Adam Barnes said. Um, I did not look that up to see how many there were today, um, but it's in that ballpark. So let's look at Revelation 3, and I'll, uh, I, I only brought my King James, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and uh, verse 7, and I'll read, it's just a short passage here. It says, Under the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and upon the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my, my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so Jesus refers to himself here as, well, holy. Uh, let me, he that is holy, true. I thought I put that on there where you could see that. He that is holy, he that is true. Um, he that has the key of David. I learned a little something about that uh, today even. And uh, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. So um, I have one slide. I want to talk about holy for just a few minutes, and we may actually spend the rest of the night talking about this. There's a Sunday sermon coming on, uh, coming on this concept too. Um, I think maybe I said some things Sunday morning that, that uh, I might need to expound upon after I listened, after I thought about what I'd said, other than the domesticating beavers part. Um, so what, what does it mean to be holy? What, what, 
what really? I mean, what, what does it mean? And what does it imply? And who gets to decide? These are the kind of questions that I ask every time I do a study like this. Who gets to decide it? What does it mean? And then what does it imply for the human condition? So if God is holy, what does that mean? Is it, is it something that we really can be? And if so, how in the world do you get that way? And then once you get that way, how do you stay that way? Because it seems harder to stay that way than it is to get that way. Is it really something that exists only for just a little bit and God is holy and everybody else is just trying to be? So the, the facts that I understand them are that we are counted as holy, kind of like we are counted as righteous, or we are righteous, or we are holy when we're born again. So, that, so holiness has, is connected to the blood of Jesus. We know that for a fact, that the blood cleanses us, and we are immediately forgiven, made righteous, holy, sanctified, redeemed, and justified. Those are a bunch of religious words, and we're not going to talk about all of them tonight. But the idea is that we are made holy. Now, holiness and sanctification are closely related. They're not exactly the same, but they're pretty close. So to get ready for this Sunday sermon, I'm going to preach sometime soon, probably in the next few weeks, because it's so serious, I'm going to study on it more than just, you know, three or four days. Um, I, I went back, and, and I thought one thing, and this is, an, this is one of those things that I learned. The first time in the Bible the word holy is used is used in Exodus chapter 3. Now, I thought that I could remember an instance in Genesis when the word holy was used, but I was wrong. You don't see anything being referred to as holy, not even God, until Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. As a concept, it perhaps is introduced, but really that, that terminology you don't even see to Exodus chapter 3. And this is God, and he said, draw not uh, nigh hither, or that means don't come here, Put off your shoes from your feet or take your shoes off for the place where you're standing is holy ground. This, of course, is the burning bush. And when, when Moses sees the burning bush, he comes to the burning bush because, you know, you're seeing a burning bush and the, burn, and the bush isn't consuming. Then you're going to say, I would say, what in the real world is that? I don't know what you'd say. That's what I would say. What in the real world is that? And so he started moving towards it like any person that, you know, wasn't immediately afraid. Your curiosity, something, some people I think would be afraid and they'd run the other way. Some of us are just naturally curious, and so we would come to it. So Moses, being naturally curious, he was a little older too, um, he comes to it, and God speaks out of the bush. And his introduction to this concept of holiness to me is real interesting. And, and it's not prostrate yourself before me. Because, you know, you think about God the holy and God the righteous. It's like, don't you take another step. I'm going to smote you. That's not what he said. He said, you need to take your shoes off. So, it must be that the soil surrounding the fire was made something in the presence of God that it was not outside the presence of God. So, it must be then that a place can be holy. And a place is made holy by the presence of the Lord. Now where we'll probably pick this notion up on a, if we just preach one Sunday, then we'll, we'll have to include the idea that 
um, a person is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so by definition of that, you are holy. Not because you're perfect, but because you're a carrier of the presence of God. Because it's the presence of God that sanctified the soil. It wasn't the fire. So the invitation to participate in the presence existed. But there was a qualification. And that is, for some reason, it was take off your shoes. So the thing that separated him from the soil had to be removed. So, so this was an invitation to intimacy with a requirement. I'm just telling y'all what we're talking about. I'm going to be talking about um, Zacchaeus. And, and I'm never to preach Zacchaeus to adults, but y'all are fixing to get a Zacchaeus sermon soon. And um, Jesus went in to eat with Zacchaeus, and there's no mention whatsoever of Zacchaeus cleaning Jesus' feet. But at that at that at, at their time in their setting, it you, you you had to clean your guests' feet. You had to wash them. You were considered incredibly rude by not providing an opportunity for your guests to clean their feet. Much like what we would offer somebody a glass of sweet tea in a bathroom, they would wash their feet, give them an opportunity to clean their feet. And I've also learned, uh, this is something I've learned, I knew the cleaning feet thing, but that friendship was covenanted more than what we just say we got friends, you know. To them, it was a covenant relationship as soon as they ate a meal together. So, one of the things, and we'll talk about this when we get to talking about Zacchaeus, when Jesus... Uh, Jesus flipped several things on his ear. One, he didn't get on to Zacchaeus for not providing him something to wash his feet on. But he did the righteous people, but he didn't the sinner. That's interesting to me, real interesting to me. And two, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' uh, house, and Jesus never invited himself anywhere. As a matter of fact, it was considered rude for anybody to, inter to invite themselves to anybody's house. It was always the the recipient inviting you to my home. Please come, teacher, into my home. Zacchaeus is the only one that Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus celebrated, but didn't offer to wash his feet. And Jesus still made a covenant meal with him. So let's get back to holiness. It's just real interesting, because it's all tied together. 1 Peter 1.14. And so this is where the church just l loses its mind. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old way of living to satisfy your own desires. <clears throat> and so the old way of living isn't necessarily what you did, how you dressed, what you looked like, where you ate, what you drank. It was what were you doing to satisfy that your own desires. This is what I want to do, and bless God, you can't tell me otherwise. That in and of itself means you ought not do it. If you are demanding your own right in whatever it is, even though it's not a sin or it's not against the rules, you need to stop doing it immediately because that's right there the problem. It's connected to satisfying your own desires. I'm going to wear whatever I want to wear because, well, you just, you just messed up right then. need to go buy you a Cossack or something. You didn't know any better then, but now... 
you must be holy in everything you do. And so, you know, I really wasn't trying to step on people's toes the other day when, or Sunday morning when I was talking about who you're trying to dress sexy for. But who are you trying to dress sexy for? You must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy, for the Scripture says, I went back and looked, and sure enough, you know, the Bible says this, in the Pentateuch, be holy for I am holy. You must be holy because I am holy. And so holiness also then must be tied to, verse 14, satisfying your own desires. So holiness must come from being in the presence of Jesus, but it also has something to do with not doing what you want to do when you want to do it because that just violates the whole deal. So it's real interesting. So holiness isn't something that just everybody can see. So, you know, the women wearing the skirts down to their feet and their hair 10 feet tall, does that make them holy? No, not really. But it might be better than them wearing clothes that look like they came out of a spray can, right? Because that's not modest, and the Bible is very clear about being modest and moderate. And so in my initial studies for the sermon that you're going to get soon, I discovered that the word holy is used 611 times in the Bible. Now, I knew it was going to be found a bunch of times in Revelation. So that's the first place I went, Chris, and started clicking. Holy, 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 holy. 18 times. I said, well, where else is holiness brought up a lot? And looky there. 52 times in the book of Acts alone, the concept of holy is mentioned. But, but holiness is used 50 time, 52 times in the book of Acts. Of course, what is the book of Acts? Well, it's when the, when the church was launched. So it just must be. I'm not, y'all know me. Everybody's heard, heard me preach so many times. You know I, 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 I have to be simple about a bunch of stuff. But it just must be that the concept of being holy is, is threaded through the DNA of the early church. But the church obviously lost it because you can go back and look and see some of the things that the church has done to other people, some of the things that, that the universal church, will say it, call it, say it that way, some of the decrees and, and, the, and, and the papal declarations and other stuff that you've read and, and how what, it, it, we, we didn't stick with this holy business. But the church is called to be it. Um, so we got to be holy because Jesus is holy, and we're called to Christ-likeness. So even if you don't like the word holy, and our minds immediately go to legalism, that's just a bunch of rules, yeah, no, no but we're called to be Christ-like, and Christ-like, Christ never demanded his own rights about anything. He always was a servant, so he always put somebody else first. I think we can be like the, like the blood of animals sanctified utensils. Though I don't want to compare you to a fire stoker. I, I don't. Tongs. I don't. Or you being us, you know, um, and the knives and everything else. But the tool of the tabernacle was made holy only as it wasn't the presence of God in the tabernacle that made it holy. It was the blood of the sacrifice that made it holy. So 
therein lies kind of the rub with some of what we've said is yes the presence of god was so to speak in the center of the tabernacle associated with the mercy seat but at the same time the mercy seat still had to have the blood sprinkled on it once a year the priest had to run in there shake the blood on it real quick and get out once a year and so it still has to do with Christ's atoning sacrifice. And so that's made holy when the blood's applied. So as, as it's tra transference, I like that word. I'm going to try to take that as my own now. So Christ's holiness is transferred to us. Like his righteousness is transferred to us. His holiness, his righteousness, his righteousness becomes mine. Because I'm not righteous, I can't be. But his righteousness can be imputed to me or imparted, however you want to say it. Well, Abraham's was imputed. Christ is imparted. So it's not splitting hairs, but I don't have time to talk about the difference. So, like, we can be holy, and it's scary, and it's intimidating. And what does that mean? Can I be holy and, and fill in the blank? Well, chances are, if that's the first place your mind went, the, problem, the answer is probably No. Can I still be holy if I? Well, probably not for a couple of weeks because that's the first thing that your mind says you wanted to do. And the very thing says, don't do whatever it is you want to do. So sometimes you just need to quit doing what you want to do. That's one of the reasons why people need to fast every once in a while. Just don't do what you want to do in order to make sure that you're not doing what you want to do all the time. Because the problem is satisfying your own desires or demanding your own rights or your own way, and that's exactly what love does not do. So it's complicated, it's multifaceted, and it's not just easy. But if you're trying, it probably is. Not nearly as hard as we give it credit for being. Lord, teach us to be holy. And thank you that you make us that way. Thank you that it's both. Thanks again for listening to the Word of Grace podcast. We are located in Hope, Arkansas, and our service times are 10.30 Sunday mornings and 6.30 Wednesday nights. You can find our live streams on our Facebook page and learn more about who we are at wog-hope.com. That's w-o-g-hope.com. See you soon. God bless.